It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Favors, free throw line, ball fakes, drives at green, collects himself, back up and under, foul and finishes! Defense! You are locked on jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 22nd of February. The trade deadline looms. Big deals have been made. We'll break it all down for you. Give you the Jazz game plan, where they're coming from. Derek Favors, Darren Williams, other things all coming on a pre-trade deadline day edition of Locked On Jazz. But um bum 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 pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Uh, hope you had a few good days. Back, ready, Jazz practice tonight. We'll head out to that and catch what's going on with, with that and see how everything uh, is playing out and get ready for this big 25-game stretch to close the season. Uh, but today I'll walk you through the trade deadline, what I think is going on around the rest of the NBA, update you on some of the names and rumors we're hearing uh, about the Jazz uh, as well. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai uh, at 4646 South State Main Street, or South Main, or excuse me, South State Street. Wow, I'm sleepy this morning. South State Street. Uh, Murdoch family, nice sponsors of Locked On Jazz. Appreciate their support and uh, driving a Hyundai Santa Fe right now. They really have been super Super impressed by it. Today's show is also uh, brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, Blue Apron does some really neat things uh, that makes cooking at home fun and gets you three free meals with the promo code uh, L-O-C-K Jazz. No E. L-O-C-K Jazz. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country and uh, really cool experience, uh, great menus. Hope you enjoy it. We'll touch on both those a little bit more as we go. But let's get to it. Let's start. We always start. I know we're desperate to get started into the into the big stuff today. Uh, but we always start with pins across the world. Let's go to Josh Patterson. Uh, I'm from the Equality State, or commonly known as Wyoming. Rock Springs, to be exact. It's only about two and a half hours away from Salt Lake. I'm 19 years old and currently a student at Western Wyoming Community College where I am a student assistant for the Western Wyoming Community College men's basketball team. I don't know what I'm studying yet, but excited to figure it out. I became a fan of the Jazz when I was about eight years old. I was a huge comic book fan and Jurassic Park fan. So I was irritated whenever my stepdad would watch Jazz games, but I became a fan after my wishes of watching X-Men were dashed by not changing the channel. My moments of Jazz fandom are different than most. I fell in love with the Andre Karolinko, Carlos Buzo, Memo Corps, Ronnie Brewer, and, of course, D. Will teams. I remember going to my computer to the Jazz website to read Ronnie Brewer got traded to Memphis. I have cystic fibrosis and uh, some other, another syndrome, which I can't pronounce correctly. Uh, and when I was a kid, if I stayed 
had to stay at the hospital, I would go to Primary Children's Hospital, which I visited a lot, and I was lucky enough to go to jazz games. My first jazz game was against the Houston Rockets in the playoffs back in the Tracy McGrady-Yao Ming era. We lost. Andre missed the tipping at the buzzer. Oh, I remember that. Uh, with my crazy life filled with pain, uh, the Jazz gave me two hours of not focusing on medical stuff, and I could just put down and cheer for my team. Or sit down before class and listen to your podcast. It's much, such a nice break. Thank you for all you do for us fans. We greatly appreciate it. No, thank you, Josh. Really, truly, your commitment um, to the Jazz and uh, is more than... Than anything, I'll give you. He sent me a cool picture. I think of him with one with Del Curry and and one of him as a student manager of the Western Wyoming community basketball team. Josh, thanks so much. That was great. Uh, appreciate it. All right, let's get right to it. Uh, talk about where the Jazz are as they head into the trade deadline. Big picture from the Jazz standpoint, there's not a huge urgency to get something done here. Not in the sense of, and what I mean by that is some of the money issues that are upcoming, some of the contract issues that are upcoming, they're all upcoming. They don't have to be dealt with right now. Um, At some point, there's no question, we have too many guys and not enough money once we pay everybody. And so we're going to have to deal with that at some point in time. But if you look at kind of the way the calendar's playing, what's going on, we can investigate what's taking place, what's available, and I'll get specific on that. Um, but I don't think – it's not something where we have to do something now. We're not in a situation where, oh, boy, we better straighten out our our money situation and we better straighten out that. So instead, what the Jazz are trying to do right now is add some depth, if possible, and try to get better for the playoffs. But you got to understand – that there's no player in the world that wants to get traded to the Utah Jazz and then sit. And so you've got to be pretty careful about what we're doing. We already have enough guys that guys are want more minutes and more touches. And you've got to find a player, if you're going to talk about trading a player to the Jazz, who's going to who play. So, you know, Corey Brewer just got traded for Lou Williams in a first-round pick. Should have we done that deal? I, I guess that's A-B for Lou Williams and a first-round pick, and you can decide whether you think that would have made us better. And maybe they didn't want that. Um, but that's the comparable. You you would have had to send – you couldn't have done Shelvin Mack and a first-round pick because where's Lou, who does Lou Williams play in front of? You know, that's – that's you got to ask – all right, so is, is Dante – Dante's kid's not playing. And even then – Really, Dante's not playing and Alec Burks is not playing. Because Lou Williams is not going to be happy unless he's playing in 25, 30 minutes a night. That's what he's done his whole career. So that's the first thing that when you're looking at the roster balance, which it, we're not playing fantasy basketball. So guys have got to have a role, and you've got to have a spot for them to actually play. Uh, now, I mean, that might happen. I mean, not, there have not been... Uh, any talks I'm aware of between the Jazz and Denver, Danilo Gallinari gets interesting. Now, you probably got to move a lot of guys, and Danilo Gallinari's interesting because he has bird rights, and and you, um, if you lose Gordon in the offseason, you can re-sign Danilo, and maybe you stay above water a little bit. I mean, if we lose Gordon in the offseason, it's not good. So, you, you know, maybe that's an option you look at, but it's probably going to cost you uh, a first-round pick, and I don't know. Some some combination of Boris Diaw, Alec Burke, some other 
combination of things, depending what they're going to make you take contract-wise. Uh, I'm sure that deal is just not going to be that simple. Uh, so you, you can look at it and try to figure out how you get you. But that's that's adding a player who's, I mean, Danilo Gallinari have just 17 points a game. He's one of three players in the league who shoots a ton of three shows to the line. He's a pretty special player. He's top 30 offensive player in the NBA. That's just adding a, a huge jump in talent. And I'm not, and you got to make sure that you, uh, and, and so maybe you do do something like that. The, the, the picks are interesting because we are going to be under a money crunch. And a lot of the league is too, by the way, the huge excessive spending of last offseason may turn out to just be unique to last offseason because the salary cap is now down a little bit and going to hold at about 100, 102 million. So the value of picks, which are set at a set value, are incredibly high. The Jazz are going to have to as they move into their next iteration of this roster with guys being paid their full allotment rather than on rookie deals or um, max deals at shorter points of their contract, with Rudy getting paid and hopefully Gordon getting paid, and whether it's George Hill or, or whomever, or what you're going to do with Rodney, or what you're going to do with Dante, uh, that the, that the picks are incredibly valuable. Uh, you can't just throw the Warriors pick or the Jazz pick into a deal willy-nilly because those are players who you would hope are able to contribute as rotation players on your roster who are at a fixed low salary, and we are going to be desperate for fixed low salaries. Now, the trick is, on average in the league, after the 11th pick, only about 52% of the guys in the first round actually ever become rotation players. So you're holding on to these picks because of the fact that you've got to find ways to have low-salary players to be able to make fill out your roster when you're paying Rudy Gobert $30 million, and hopefully Gordon, Gordon Hayward $30 million, and, and you know George Hill, whatever number, maybe we can get that done at. I'm, I'm less optimistic on that uh, in terms of an extension and, and – you know, maybe it's going to turn out that he looks at the landscape at the end of the season, and but he's going to find out. And Philadelphia's going to offer him a buttload of money, and Brooklyn's going to offer him a buttload of money, and San Antonio may offer him a whole hell of a lot of money. And we're going to have to decide whether really paying George Hill is twenty. You know, if you go over twenty million, I think you start to have to ask yourself whether that's actually the right move or not. So there's really hard decisions that are coming, and that makes those picks even more valuable. The thing on those decisions, as I said earlier, is they don't actually have to be made today. And so that really alters the way the Jazz go into this. There's no there's no kind of block at the end of like, oh, crap, we didn't take care of it. There, there will be some of those days coming up here where, you know, using an example, if Alec Burks and Joe Ingles, uh, if Gordon Hayward resigns, it's probably hard to have both Alec Burks and Joe Ingles at whatever Joe Ingles' new numbers in the offseason. Then, then you're going to have to make a decision. But we don't have to make those decisions uh, yet. I do suspect uh, the Jazz might do Shelvin Mack a solid. He's been the consummate pro, uh, very similar to what Atlanta did with him, and, and move him uh, before the deadline uh, to give him an opportunity to play a little bit more than he's probably going to play for us. Uh, he's been... You know, a great teammate, super pro, uh, everyone likes him, and if he has an opportunity to go play somewhere, you might do that, get a second-round draft pick back as part of a, uh, part of a, you know, almost getting the exact same what you, you paid to get Shelvin Mack, uh, and then 
that also opens up a roster spot, and the Jazz might get in the buyout market. There's always a chance. There's going to be some buyouts, and the Jazz have some cap space. Uh, in regards to that cap space, the Jazz have uh, – they're below the minimum, so they if they don't hit the salary cap floor, it just means they actually take that money and distribute it amongst the players. On, the union distributes amongst players on the team. So there's no real penalty. You're going to spend that money anyway, though, so there is some value of trying to get a player or something for it. Uh, the, there's For those who don't understand what I just said, there's a league minimum of salary that a team has to spend, and the Jazz are below that right now. So they will be, if at the end of the year you're below that, then the union takes the difference between the, where your salary is. Chart, you pay the union that money. They distribute it to the players on the team. The... So that's a possible now. So in, in other words, Jazz are incentivized to actually use that money because you're, you're frankly going to use it anyway, um, just giving it to the union. The other angle is that the Jazz have this cap space, which allows them to do all sorts of deals if you play around in the trade machine. But that is also the money if you're going to try to extend George Hill, and you've got to try to figure out. Uh, that's probably the only pressing issue is whether or not you really think you have an opportunity to extend George Hill or not, or whether George, who's never been a free agent before, I think is eager to be a free agent, looked at the landscape last year, thinks that money is still coming, as most of the players do. I don't think most of the players realize that the uh, salaries are going to be tighter in this offseason. Looks at San Antonio, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, the places I just mentioned as well. Those are places that could offer me huge money and decides, you know what, I'm going to go to – I'm not taking anything less than the max – until I go to free agency, unless it's an extension, and then it seems pretty unlikely that we get an extension done. So then you might as well go use that cap space in a deal if something presents itself. I hope this is all making sense. I'm trying to give you a perspective of where uh, the Jazz are coming from. I'll touch on uh, Derek Favors here in in just a second. Uh, Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, The Murdoch family is great Utah family. Uh, they have three dealerships for Hyundai, one in Linden, one in Logan, and, and then the one in Murray. And they're family-run. This is a business that wants to make sure when you leave their uh, grounds that you're thinking to yourself, wow, the Murdochs are good people. Like, I got treated well by the Murdochs. They, they believe that this is very much them individually uh, interacting with you as the customer and making sure that you have the good experience. It's why they do things like opening up their service department, extra hours, free car wash. All those type of uh, things that try to make sure that your experience is perfect. Their phrase they like to use inside, internally and, and externally, is to have no regrets. They want the customer to leave with absolutely uh, no regrets to who uh, they are. They've got a neat little deal going on right now that is uh, uh, p- they're playing around with kisses for clunkers. Uh, $3,000 rebate for your clunker, no matter what it, situation it is. And then if uh, it's worth more than $3,000, $500 over the Kelly Blue Book. I want to share with you, I've been driving the Hyundai Santa Fe. I'm stunned. Uh, I didn't know much about Hyundai. I'm not going to lie to you. When I first met with the Murdoch family, uh, they explained to me a little bit about it. They sat me down. They sh- shared with me the other kind of cars in the similar market, the companies, whether it's a Honda or an Acura or Lexus or whatever you might be looking at. And they showed me and compared this, what you get from the car, uh, the power, the features, uh, the functions. And I was like, okay, wow. 
on paper, it looks incredible, and then ended up driving it, and the Santa Fe is just a terrific car, and it does. It has every safety uh, gadget. It drives smooth. Uh, it's really, you can tell it's a car that's built for your comfort and your enjoyment. So check it out. Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. Uh, they've got some great uh, opportunities for you, and that uh, Kisses for Clunkers uh, promotion that's going on right now is a good one as well. All right, so we're hearing Derek Favors' name. Why? Um, because at some point the Jazz are going to have to make some sort of a decision. Um, and that decision trickles down to George Hill and it trickles down to Rodney Hood and it trickles down to maybe Dante Exum. If you're, there are big decisions that are going to have to be made uh, by the Jazz contract-wise. And it's clear that one of those decisions has already been made, which is that Rudy Gobert is the signature piece in the middle for the Jazz moving forward. And the next part of that question is whether or not Favors and uh, Gobert can play together. And unfortunately, due to injuries and uh, Rudy's knee last year and Derek this year, I'm not sure we really have that answer. So at some point, there has to be a decision made on Favors. It doesn't have to be now. Uh the decisions are, one is, are you going to give him an extension? You could use that same money for George Hill to Derek if he wants it. Uh, two, you have to decide whether uh, you believe Derek and Rudy do work together well enough offensively. There's no question what they do defensively. And then the third question, you know, third question is, can you re-sign Derek? Um, and is that money that you're, are you willing to spend and have $50, $60 million a year into front court players in a league that's going the other direction? So these are these are real decisions the Jazz have to make at some point. They don't have to make them now, but it, there's no reason why if Dennis Lindsay to do his job to survey the landscape and see what's available. Uh, so I don't have the feeling the Jazz are shopping Derek Favors for the purpose of trading Derek Favors, but I do think that there is a desire to know what the market is for Derek Favors right now. And frankly, many of those conversations could be revisited in the offseason. Derek's situation with the Jazz is, is really obvious. They've committed to Rudy Gobert and where he fits and at what number um, and whether the best allocation for that money is in a big man next to Rudy Gobert or whether you're better off putting that into a point guard or a wing is a is a major decision that the organization has to make in the coming months. Uh, so I don't think the Jazz are really shopping Derek Favors, nor do I expect that they're about to trade Derek Favors, but I do think that Dennis Lindsay is doing what's right and appropriate, which is to kind of check out and see, hey, what's out there. So, uh, And then moreover, Derek hasn't been right all year, so I can't imagine that his value is particularly high right now. If Derek can get healthy and play well for the final 25 games of the season, we learn, one, how good the Jazz might be with Derek and Rudy healthy. And frankly, if we're going to win a playoff series, we need Derek to play well, and we need Derek to be engaged, and we need Derek to be healthy because uh, he's that good a player. I mean, he's he's terrific, and he, you know he's a top 30 talent in the NBA who just hasn't been physically right. But if he can get physically right with these nine days off and help – push this thing down the home stretch for the final 25 games and play with some pizzazz, uh, then the Jazz are in pretty darn good shape. And then we become really very, very good um, as a team. 
And that's that's a key part to what's taking. So, And if that takes place, then you go into the offseason and you still have to make the same decisions, but Favors' value is much higher than it is right now. If it doesn't work out, then probably you have a little bit of your answer uh, of where of where you're heading, and you'll see what his value is probably exactly what it is right now. So that's a little bit of the progression uh, with Derek. So, all right, so to summarize, I think that kind of gives us um, and then I'll try to get to some. The, the picks are really, really valuable. The money decisions don't have to be made yet. I think they likely move Shelvin, open a roster spot, do a solid for him. Darren Williams' name got mentioned. Um, I've had enough times over the last few years where I have just called out Mark Stein for being inaccurate on um, reports, and it's so uncomfortable, and I don't really feel like doing it again. Um, so I don't think I'm going to go there, but I would say that I'm not sure that that report has um, exactly how the communication was done correctly. Um, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, but Darren's interesting because Darren has expressed um, a lot of interest in coming back to Utah. He still lives here in the off season. I think he would like to right whatever wrong he has from here. Uh, I think this is the place where he's connected to in his career with Brooklyn not going particularly well and Dallas just being home but not having a larger connection. And so Darren has expressed an interest to return. I'm not sure that right now is the right time. The offseason, that might be a real possibility. If Dante takes steps and George Hill goes and signs somewhere else and you bring in Darren as if Darren's willing to kind of be a part-time you know, semi-starter, semi-backup to a emerging Dante, uh, and that's where we're going to point guard, then Darren's probably a, a legitimate possibility uh, at that point in time. So I would open my eyes to the idea of Darren returning. It's something he's interested in doing, where he's at his career. may actually match with the Jazz. I don't think it matches right now, though. We can get more into it. Um, I, I tweeted out, if you don't follow me on Twitter, at Lockdown Sports, I, I would strongly suggest it. Um, checking out the things I tweeted. I tweeted a bunch of stuff last night, and uh, the the a lot of them were the first half or second half of players who had coming off an ACL. And um, it's pretty telling how much better players are in the second half of the season coming off an ACL. So you, we, this is a big stretch here to see what Dante's capable of. Um, in the second half um, of the of the season, because traditionally players coming off their ACL are just completely different players post All Star break than they are pre All Star break, and we'll see whether or not uh, that happens for Dante as well. But it, that also could change the landscape of where we are as a franchise. So it's another reason why you know I know patience is a boring word and it's no fun for fans, but there's a lot of arguments of why. The Jazz going with patience right now is probably the smartest answer on all of this. We, I don't think we know who Dante is. I don't think if we know what a healthy, uh, who a healthy player is in, in that regard to uh, Derek Favors. And hopefully we see that. And to win a playoff series, uh, the type of player we'd have to add is significant. So if you can get that guy, if you can get a guy, and frankly, you know, as I said, I, I think I'm a big Gallinari fan. I, I love that possibility. But also, even if you go get Gallinari, you know, what are you doing with Joe Johnson? You know, how, how are you playing all these guys? What, what is it that you really think you're doing at this point? And, um, and so, you know, let's, let's be careful about what we're 
you know, you trade, I don't know what you're doing. Uh, it, it, may, it might not even work. So uh, unless you have a deal out there that really makes you feel like you change w- from winning a playoff series, you know, from all, maybe winning a playoff series to guaranteed winning a playoff series because you make this deal, it's hard for me to find that deal. I'm not sure I see the value uh, of what the Jazz could do in this trade deadline. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. So their mission is to make home cooking accessible to everyone and allow you to have a creativity and uniqueness to your food that you have not probably had on prior. Uh, they do they support sustainable food systems, setting highest standards of ingredients and building community functions. When you talk to Blue Apron, the number one thing they want to make you know is that not all ingredients are the same and their ingredients are really, really special. And they... Feature different meals for you. You set up for a plan. Uh, your family can cook together. You can do it. You can get these fabulous uh, gourmet-esque meals in uh, usually 40 minutes or less. They're for less than $10 per meal. Uh, Blue Apron delivers, delivers the seasonal recipes along with – and so they arrive with pre-portioned ingredients to make um, – so you, you don't have to do any of that, and then they're there. You just follow the ingredients. They're all pre-portioned for you. And now, all of a sudden, you have this high-end uh, cooked meal all at once. New variety of recipes every week. Uh, they have a whole team that uh, chooses these out and surprises you with it. You can customize your recipes each week based on your preferences, your allergies. Um, and there's no weekly commit- commitment, so you, you only get the deliveries uh, when you want them. If you use the promo code blueapron.com slash L-O-C-K jazz, you get your first three meals uh, for free. That's L-O-C-K jazz. Uh, it's really uh, a fabulous deal for you. So go to blueapron.com slash L-O-C-K jazz uh, to find out uh, what it is. Blue Apron, a better way to cook roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad. Cashew chicken stir fry with tango man, trins, and jasmine rice. Those are just some of the examples uh, from last week. All right, um, let's walk around the rest of the league for a second. I, the new, there's always these unintended consequences of the new collective bargaining agreement. I, I think we have one going on here. So there's this new impact of the designated player, which is that if a player makes uh, any of the three all-NBA teams, um, then uh, they can go get this bigger contract. So this is... This is what DeMarcus Cousins um, had the possibility. Um, the new vet, it's the veteran designated player rule. So, for example, you know these players, Steph Curry, and and that are in the final, that are an All NBA team, uh, can go get themselves about two hundred and nine million dollars on their new contract. So that's it's a, it's a big change. It, it's basically LeBron and Chris Paul and these guys got involved, and so what this does is make sure that they get paid closer to their value because the max contract. Um, so if you, right now, the max contract, I believe is 25% of the cap, but you can also earn 30% of the cap if you reach a certain criteria. So that's being named first, second, or third team, all NBA team twice being voted in as the start of the all-star game twice or winning the NBA, NBA most valuable player award. What's interesting to this is the amount of players who I think are actually worthy of getting 30% of the cap are not 15. So what I mean by that is if you've accomplished any of these goals, you end up getting 
you know, you go from like a $162 million contract to a $220 million contract if you're Russell Westbrook. Well, Russell Westbrook's probably worth it. But if Jimmy Butler gets this down the road, or Paul George, or frankly Gordon Hayward, I'm not sure I want to be paying them that percentage of my cap. And Or, in the case of DeMarcus Cousins, if you've got any question of whether or not he's a good dude or not, and you're not sure that you want to... Um, end up wanting to put his hands around the neck of your franchise, which is really what the Kings decided, is that that all of a sudden I'm not sure that you actually don't this the unintended consequences is for the players that are ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen on this, maybe it's just twelve, eleven the, that you don't end up actually promoting them to be traded. That a franchise looks at their situation and thinks to themselves Wait a sec. I mean, my guy's good, but my guy's not worth 30% of the cap and hamstrung my franchise for every other position. Now, this is a pretty special dude. He's got to make, as we just said, the, the rules on this, he has to make one of the three all-NBA teams or is either defensive player of the year or most valuable player for his prior season. I actually read, uh, this is from Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post, had a correct report, NBA.com actually. He has to make one of the three All-NBA teams or has been named designated in two of the prior three seasons to the league's most valuable player in one of those three seasons. So, and then he has to be on that team uh, that drafted him or has been traded on his rookie deal to another team. So, for example, Steph Curry, DeMarcus Cousins, Kawhi Leonard, Clay Thompson, DeAndre Jordan, Russell Westbrook would all match this next year. Like, I'm not sure I think DeAndre Jordan is worth 30% of my salary cap. I'm not sure I think that Clay Thompson is necessarily worth 30% of my salary cap. And so I think this gets interesting where one of the unintended consequences, or if you have a guy like DeMarcus Cousins where you have any concerns about him, that you um, that you actually end up maybe, possibly, promoting the trading of these players rather than the keeping of these players as was intended in the in the deal. Does that make sense? Because um, I think that's, you know, obviously that's a little bit of what happened with DeMarcus. All right, on the Cousins trade, I think it's a great move by Sacramento. Uh, I'm on an island, uh, and only a great move because they finally traded him. Hey, did they do it wrong? Sure. So they traded him two years ago when they knew it and had more value? Yeah. But they didn't. And Vivek screwed the whole thing up uh, with his commitment to him. And Vladi Divac finally got a moment where Vivek was willing to move to DeMarcus Cousins. And I think... Anyone who's been around basketball knows how DeMarcus had treated his teammates and the bully that he was to the staff and the coaches and everybody around. Um, It's well documented. Um, I know more stories than are documented, and they're crazy. And the guy just took all the oxygen in the room, and it's an interesting paradox because anybody who talks about him says he's an incredible guy in the community. There's an amazing video of him talking about leaving Sacramento. But the fact is that inside the locker room, he was a bully to strength and conditioning coaches. He was a bully to head coaches. He was a bully to rookies. He terrorized his teammates. Um, he was a whiner and a complainer. He gave negative energy in their building all the time. And so guys didn't like to play with him, and nobody wanted to go to work. You've got to have the first thing your guys have got to do is want to go to work. They've got to want to show up at the building. They've got to want to be at the practice facility. It's got to be something that's enjoyable for them to be a part of. They can't be dreading what's going to happen today. And that's the environment that DeMarcus Cousins had in Sacramento. And if he has not New Orleans, he'll torpedo them too. 
I don't know why a change of scenery is going to change that aspect of him, but maybe there was something so toxic about being in Sacramento that he was just unhappy all the time, and by being in New Orleans, he'll feel happier and he won't have this same attitude. But um, what's interesting about him is there does seem to be a goodness to him with his community involvement. He's not just a bad dude. He's had a little off-court problems, but it doesn't seem like he's a criminal. He just is a bully, and for whatever reason, and probably needs to just get it dealt with um, professionally, and will probably, at some point in his career, hopefully will turn it around. But that's who he is right now, and Sacramento decided they had to get rid of him. So I think it's a good move by Sacramento. Are they going to be any good? Did they get value? Well, yeah, they got value because the league knows who DeMarcus is because they let this go on for too long. And so people had a huge sample size of action to know that they didn't want him to be part of their franchise. So they probably got the value that they could get for him. More importantly, they just moved on. And I think that was a huge step for Sacramento because the other alternative was signing this designated player exception, and that was going to ruin them forever. You can't let him have the hands around the neck of your franchise. You just can't. You can't let a bad guy get the hands around the neck of your franchise. And I think that's, you just, you have to realize that more so than anything else. Uh, The Celtics and Jimmy Butler is really interesting. It's obviously interesting to the Jazz uh, because all the Gordon Hayward talking, if they go get Jimmy Butler, you think that would slow down some of the talk. It doesn't change Gordon's free agency. Miami's going to be knocking on his door. Everyone's going to be knocking on L.A., Lakers, Magic. You know, the Jazz are going to have to outdo Magic Johnson sitting at, Gordon, the table with Gordon Hayward, probably Larry Bird sitting at the table with Gordon Hayward, Pat Riley sitting at the table with Gordon Hayward. Like these are big name guys, and if 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 they're if that wow is going to lure somebody at some point in time uh, by being overwhelmed by watch, sitting and watching, you know, talking to the guys that who your childhood that's part of free agency. The Jazz are going to have to try to combat that by just showing that they do things correctly, that they run it, it's his place, the city likes him, he could be a real legend here. That's going to be all part of it. Um, so just. Obviously, if Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge are not one of those people sitting across the table from him, that helps the Jazz. And if the Celtics acquire Jimmy Butler, that would seem to be the case. Um, The Celtics are interesting because they have all these Brooklyn picks. They're number two in the East. The Brooklyn picks are amazing. They're likely to possibly, right now, they're most likely to be the number one pick in the draft or specifically to a spot or at least in the top three. But at some point, is that player going to help them get over the hump with Cleveland? Uh, Danny at some point has to make the step of trying to improve the franchise uh, into uh, being a title contender rather than kind of knocking on the Cavaliers' door. And is now the draft picks that they have, the two Brooklyn picks they have, they're incredible, the pick swap and the other draft pick. And so those are the picks that are going to build your franchise for the future. And the Celtics are going to be loaded if they – you know, they could keep their franchise together now, then have Jalen Brown, whoever they get this year, whoever they get next year, and those are your three pieces for the future, and you're rolling. It's probably not enough to go win a championship right now, and that's what Boston needs to do. And so I think you're going to see Danny Ainge feel the pressure and it put out one of those picks uh, by tomorrow, by the trade deadline uh, on Thursday. I, I And I don't know if it gets Jimmy Butler – uh, but I do, or Paul George, but I, I do think that the Celtics are going to have to make that kind of switch and use those picks uh, to make to get a deal done and make a push. And I think the Kevin Love injury that happened is a part of this. Boston has a chance to go get the number one seed. Cleveland has a chance to be tired. 
there are a lot of things where I think uh, the timing is right right now for Boston to shove their chips in, and eventually they have to go. Um, they eventually have to do something to push themselves to the next level. All right, that's where I see things on the trade deadline. That's Locked on Jazz today, brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Stop by, see Blake Murdoch and the Hyundai, uh, the Murdoch family, and, and check out. Uh, do some comparison shopping. Put, do me this. If you're going to be looking for a car, a new car, uh, put Hyundai on your list and at least compare. Shop a little bit and, and check out what you might see uh, from them and find out. And from Blue Apron, use the promo code L-O-C-K Jazz. L-O-C-K Jazz. BlueApron.com slash L-O-C-K Jazz to get you the number one. Uh, I'm doing it right now. L-O-C-K Jazz. Uh, go to Blue Apron and uh, Locked On Jazz listeners get three free meals on your first order. So click the redeem offer uh, sheet and then uh, move on and have this great cooking experience courtesy of Blue Apron. That is Locked On Jazz here on Locked On Podcast Network. It's fall at JCPenney. Time to refresh your closet. This Thursday through Monday, get Levi's lowest prices of the season on 514 straight fit jeans for guys, $36.99. And select Arizona booties for her for $35.99. Plus, save an additional 50% off clearance prices already reduced by 60 to 80%. And get an extra $10 off with your coupon. Hurry in now. JCPenney. Coupon valid 10, 5 to 10, 9. Levi's and other brands excluded from coupon. Clearance selections vary by store while supplies last. Savings off regular and original prices. Intermediate markdowns may have been taken. See store or jcp.com for details. Season refers to 927 to 10.18. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feet every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.